Hello to the podcast Agroecology World and this 16th episode. This is your host, Rob Cluson, aka Dr. K, and I want to especially welcome you and join in me again on this podcast because it's been a few months since my last episode. The hiatus was due to the fact that my wife Sky and I have been in the travel mode again. Yes, having finished a lovely two-year spell in Ireland during the COVID-19 pandemic, now we've re- relocated to the seacoast of Andalusia, Spain. And as we settle ourselves now to new adventures in Spain, this episode is my bonus presentation of the fabulous experiences we had with the people and culture of Ireland. And for any newbies to my podcast, I just want to reiterate that the intention of my podcast is to share with you some of my meetings with outstanding practitioners and communities of agroecology and sustainable food systems in the fascinating countries that we're visiting. My goal for this podcast is to introduce you to the actual folks and places so that you can learn from their own voices of their own ideas and experiences, keeping it informal but informative and light but enlightening. This episode continues my exploration of how the science of agroecology as the foundation of sustainable agriculture is part of the community-based movements in Ireland that are striving to ensure food sustainability and security. Ireland is the home of an ancient civilization with long traditions of agriculture, as well as being firmly in modern times addressing food needs for their growing population and economy. In case you haven't heard them, you may want to listen to episodes number 11, 12, 13, and 15, which are examples of this exploration of Ireland. We will be traveling to the seaside town of Westport in County Mayo, Ireland. Here we will be learning about the ongoing efforts of two community groups, the Key Community Garden and the Edible Landscape Project, that together are promoting sustainable community food systems in their region. My wife Sky and I had the privilege to live in Westport for almost a year, and I was lucky enough to participate and contribute in some of their activities. At the onset, I want to explain that I've decided to make two episodes, that is, this episode number 16 and the next one, number 17, due to the abundance of information that I want to share with you with these two organizations, as well as keep my episodes to a reasonable length of time. I'm very excited about this episode number 16, also because it's another exploration of one of my favorite themes of agroecology, that is, community food systems. To this end, I thought you would appreciate getting some background information about the concept of community food systems. One, as for a definition of a community food system, we can use a description by the SARE program of the University of California in the USA, which is the following. A community food system is one in which sustainable food production, processing, distribution, and consumption are integrated to enhance the environmental, economic, social, and nutritional health of a particular place. Two, To this end, communities are involved worldwide in initiatives that develop connections between different parts of their food system, 
One of the most central aspects of these community-based projects is increased participation by local residents in working on multiple food system issues, such as improving food access and security, supporting a stable base of family farms using sustainable ag best practices, generating direct food marketing and processing links between farmers and consumers, develop food and agriculture-related enterprises that create jobs and support community economic development, and finally, improve working and living conditions for farmers and farm laborers alike so that they are fully contributing community members. Projects involved in community food system development are typically engaged in long-term goals and are involving a wide diversity of activities that are responding to local conditions, such as urban agriculture startups, community-supported farms, community and home food growing, vegetable gardens and orchards, workshops on food growing, food system education, food policy councils, food system assessments, food desert analyses, food social enterprises, and much more. In this episode, our interviewees are practitioners engaged in a community garden as their approach for community food system development. Community gardens are probably very familiar to most of the listeners of Agroecology World, but if it's not the case for you, please don't worry because I've given you some excellent online references at the end of this episode for your use. The national organization, Community Gardens Ireland, differentiates between community gardens and allotment food gardens because community gardens are all about sharing both the work and the harvest, as opposed to providing plots of land that are worked on by individuals or families. To add to that description, I thought you would appreciate getting some background information about the sustainability benefits of community gardens. Community gardens have been documented to provide the following benefits to communities. Environmental benefits include ecological services, such as local climate, water, and nutrient cycling regulation, habitat for biodiversity, such as soil life, pollinators, native plant species, and traditional crop varieties, carbon sequestration for climate action, also provides production of fresh healthy foods grown using sustainable agriculture methods, greening of blighted or waste urban areas is a benefit, and it reduces the food miles and the carbon footprint of food. Finally, it can reduce the neighborhood food waste through composting. Social benefits of community gardens include Increased food security to the community. Improved community health, especially due to poor nutrition and obesity in low-income neighborhoods. 
Increased neighborhood security from crime. Integration of newly arrived refugee and or ethnic groups into larger communities. Community building. Mental health therapy with nature-centered mindfulness and social interactions. For example, as demonstrated during the COVID pandemic. Economic benefits of community gardens include provide an education hub, incubator, and civic engagement for economic support of community food system development. Increased value of food produced and resilience of a local food economy. For example, responding to economic destabilizations caused by recessions and, for example, the COVID pandemic. Increased property values in adjacent neighborhoods is a benefit. Food bill savings for the community gardens gardeners themselves is a benefit. And finally, it increases social capital in economically depressed neighborhoods. Now, before we jump into this episode, I also wanted to provide you with this background information from the Facebook webpage of our guest, The Key Community Garden. The Key Community Garden is a team of enthusiastic gardeners sharing knowledge around gardening, growing food, and biodiversity. We grow a diversity of vegetables, herbs, flowers, and fruits using organic methods with raised beds and a polytunnel, as well as using on-site bin composting and worm composting. We are creating bonds and connecting the community. The Key Community Garden was initiated as part of a 2009 project to provide community activities and resources to the key area of Westport. It was started in conjunction with the building of the Key Community Center by the collaboration from many community stakeholders, such as local residents, the Westport Family and Community Resource Center, the Westport Town Council, the Edible Landscape Project, Mayo County Council, the Westport Men's Shed Group, the Westport Woods Hotel, and the Local Agenda 21 Environmental Partnership Fund. The Key Community Garden was founded and continues to operate around the principles of community development of the initial project, that is, where people are empowered to take ownership of their Key Community Garden. The members were and are critical participants to decision-making of the direction of, the, of their activities and resources. The Key Community Garden has a wide program of activities and resources of community outreach for achieving their long-term goals promoting a sustainable community food system, which include open membership, cooperative gardening, community composting, workshops and videos on crop growing and biodiversity, youth programs, annual spring starter plant sales to the public, 
Offsite Community Flower and Pollinator Gardening. Collaborations with local Westport vendors, such as PAX Whole Food Store. On-site potluck meals and special events, such as World Soil Day. My talks with my mates, Gemma Hensey, Heather O'Reilly, and Paula Cannon of the Key Community Garden, took place in March 2022. Now let's welcome Jenna Hensey to Agroecology World. Hello, uh, Jenna Hensey. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Agroecology World. And I'm so glad to have a chance to spend some time talking to you about this fabulous community garden that I was uh, so lucky to become part of the time that we lived in Westport. And uh, it, 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 it really, really was a wonderful time for me to get to see it in action and to meet you and to start to learn about the community of the community garden, the key community garden. And, and so I just wanted to uh, find out some more about that enterprise from your point of view. And why don't we get started if you can give give us a short history of uh, your involvement with it, when did you come into the picture, and and uh, how did you get to become the coordinator for it? Well, I really don't know how I became. I mean, I thought this is about seven years ago I got involved, and I really don't know how it started or how I heard about it. But um, Nan and Connie were there from the beginning. Paula was there, more involved then than now, and Katrina was not really involved, it was more the edible landscape beside it. And then there was past Pat Kearns, whom you didn't meet, and um, because he's bad arthritis, but he always supplies the um the corn plants. And um, and then of course there was John Doherty. But when we got um the tunnel, I suppose I became more involved then and we organized different um glasses to try and make money for it and that's now the uh, the through some i don't know what i think west mayo something or other through the family resource center they got us the tunnel and it's wonderful it makes such a ditch an addition to the place especially i suppose during COVID, because um we were able to meet there and socially distance so it meant that people weren't as isolated as in some places as you may know robert before I don't know where you went when when, our, when COVID started at the beginning, everybody over 70, which I am, were not allowed outside their garden. But then yeah. they, they changed the ways a few months later where you could meet, but you had to socially distance. And for me, that was wonderful because there were so many different, I'm in three, four different um, gardening groups. And uh, there is an overlap, but also there's different people in some of them. And it was great just meeting other people. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, I know that I know the history of the some of the history of the garden. So I know that the uh, Westport Family uh, and Community Resource Center is uh, is a key partner with helping getting it started. 
And uh, so, and, and the people that like you were mentioning that were there before you, just kind of curious about your own personal gardening uh, uh, experience, uh, how, you know, the kinds of things that were instrumental for you personally, that you, that you uh, made you want to, to well, I've go outside been... of your personal garden. Okay, well, I would say going back to being a child, even I lived in Dublin and my father used to have this thing. They used to work. He was a civil servant and he used to work on Saturday mornings. So Saturday afternoon, one was expected to help out in the garden and do whatever, you know, and we did have a greenhouse and we had a conservatory and we had a big garden by Dublin standards. Um, my nephew owns at the house now and he's doing a wonderful job with one of his sons. But that started me off even then when we rented house in Castle Bar, I had a garden. And then when we moved here, I had a garden. I lived in Ethiopia for a year and I had a garden and the students couldn't understand how a Ferengi, as we were, I was called, white person, we're called Ferengis, and that they would garden because that was for poor people. 83% of the people in Ethiopia were farmers. So it was kind of looked down on, you know. So, but I've always been involved in gardens, I suppose. I'm interested in it. And then my interest changed to, I suppose, biodiverse. And that's what my ambition is with to do with flowers or with, well, not so much vegetables, I presume mostly biodiverse, but it's to try and um, stop people growing petunias and begonias where they're all over Europe. They're great for window boxes, but they've no pollen for bees. Ah, okay, okay. No yeah. pollen. But amarillos and these gladiolus have no pollen. So I try to get this message slowly, uh, I don't know about surely, across. And you will see them in Nurka as well. You will see petunias growing. I've seen them around Malaga and places. I've never been to Nurka, but you will see that. And um, so the idea would be that it's bee friendly. And then the aim would be to have um, try to have um, plants, be they vegetables or flowers, growing from, we say, from the beginning of February at least that have pollen. Daffodils have no pollen either. And a lot of tulips happen, which is a pity. But daffodils bring such, I suppose, such joy to people that you can't, really, I won't get rid of them, but to put sort of try to get tulips that are bee friendly and get all the other spring things that are bee friendly in with the daffodils and that will help. But um, I get a lot of satisfaction, as you know, from the garden. I called in there this morning. I was out in tidy towns this morning. It's unusual for a Saturday, Friday, Sunday morning that I'm busy. And I just gave the worms something to eat. Some, it was only kind of grassy weeds I gave them. I forgot to bring some coffee grinds for them. Um, but, and it's great that you've set that up and hopefully that will spread to other places. Like we say, Heather has doing it now, got her father a kit and that other, and um, Jana has one too in her back, in her front garden in, um, you know, where she's got her new house. So that's great that you've set that up, the wormery. Oh, With the well, video. Yeah. Well, Ashley and I. <laughs> okay, Ashley yeah. and you, yeah. I haven't seen Ashley or heard from since you left. Oh, no. Oh, no. Right. There's the COVID thing, but that's over in Ireland, so I don't know what's happening, but I don't think it's his. I think it's the... I don't know what's happening. Some It's a politics or what that they haven't come back yet. Uh, they will okay. come back. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, it's always, it's, it's been the major factor for these last couple of years, hasn't it? Well, you know, you know, Gemma, I, 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 uh, I really appreciate what you're saying because it, it, it occurred to me that the community, the key community garden uh, is, is very much an, inst, uh, an educational resource and just what you've said reinforced that. And, and I know that uh, you brought your educational teaching background, right? To, to all of these interests that you have as well as helping the garden have partnerships in the community, as well as events to help teach the, the, the messages that, you, that you're talking about. Oh yeah, well, I'm kind of like stuck. I get stuck in one thing and I'm determined I want that to happen. You know, and I keep plowing away at trying to get it done or not, but it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't, you know. But I'd love, I'm hoping now in Westport that the tidy towns will, they're going to use one barrel of compost. You know the compost that actually did? The, um, with the with the leaf mold and the comfrey. Yeah. Well, the tidy towns are going to use one barrel of that. And I've asked them not to use petunias or begonias in their window boxes. So I don't know will that happen. We have to start somewhere and see how it works. But I don't know how, how determined they are about that. I'll keep plugging away at it, you know. And the other thing is then we're hoping to, um, the raised beds are wonderful. You know, the new raised beds, you've seen pictures of them. I have, they, they are beautiful. And now I know one of the things that you're particularly uh, keen on, and, and I, I really, really liked seeing it, was your community composting project. And uh, now, one thing I did want to uh, ask you to maybe share with us was community gardens. Well, community is in the name of the word. So you, you definitely try to live the idea, the concept of community, because I know you're the compost project, you were, you're willing to share it with the community, the, the, the people that live around the community garden, as well as the gardeners. In my career, I did get involved with a lot of community gardens. Now, yours is uh, very interesting in that it's not an allotment type community garden. It's, it's, it, it's, it, it's more of a cooperative and it, it does maximize the interactions of the members, which is, uh, which is wonderful. And I, I know that there was uh, COVID again was, was a factor that reduced the number of gardeners that were part of the community garden and that it's slowly starting to rebuild with new members. And each of the, and each of the right, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I really see where those, the members themselves are going to be your bridges to, the the larger Westport community. You already have some great partners and and bridges already going. So, uh, wouldn't you say that that's hopeful for the future to, to keep on 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's it's good if we had we had a few young youngish people like there's there's you know the um, Jana that that's great for the like the her. She's new to Westport, new to Ireland, and that have something to get involved in, and yes. that way. And like it's important that there's then youngish people being involved too, you know, and people who who need to, you know, to meet other people and stuff like that. You know, like I have enough going on in one way, but it's good for me too to get out and meet other kinds of people. Well, I know I know you've got some other gardening projects too that, that are uh, kind of associated with the community garden, but are in different locations around, yeah. around town, which uh, definitely speak to your general interest in gardening per se, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, mention how those kind of help you figure into everything you're doing at the community garden. Well, the, they're nearly, no, all of them, all of them have some fruit trees, like apple trees or um, raspberry, strawberries. Sometimes raspberries can be a bit invasive, okay? But, um, um, but they're basically flower gardens. And the, the amazing one was the very first one we got was the one called the railway embankment one. And this was just, I remember when we got it, I didn't, where did we go? How are we going to do that? And then this fellow Liam came along with a slawn. A slawn is a special kind of um, metal thing for cutting turf. And he just took this, took an inch of the, of the top soil with the grass off, cut it off, and then I had so many, I always have so many plants. I just put in plants and it was just amazing. I thought we might get a third of it done or something like that. And basically we got it practically all finished the first year. We started around um, May and that was really, that's really social. I don't know if you know the place, it's the top of High Street on the railway walk. Yes. And just gave us some railway embankment. And there were just so many people involved in that. You know, different people can like, there was a girl from um, Medjugorje, she had hardly any English, but she used to bring, I gave her a washing pan eventually, but she used to bring a two litre thing of water from her flat to um, water it. Then there was a Syrian family involved in it. And there was different people involved and it was, really was community. But now it's sort of self-sufficient. We do about 12 hours a year. That's all it needs to be done. But yeah. it was really social and it was really successful, especially again during COVID because people were walking past. So many people were walking on the railway walk and they really loved it, that garden, that particular garden. Yes, and, 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 it, and it, uh, you get the support of, uh, in Ireland, you have the biodiversity uh, efforts all across the nation. Uh, so the wildflower meadow gardens yeah. that you're speaking of, uh, I think it's, I think it links very beautifully with some of the goals for the community garden. It, it, and and uh, I, I for one enjoyed helping install the one by the library. I think that a nice addition. Yeah, the meadow there, yeah. Yeah. Nice that was addition. really, that was interesting. I was looking for another spot and then one day I was walking over the bridge and I turned, oh, that'd be a nice spot. Unfortunately, there was, um, now, normally I wouldn't agree with cutting trees, but they were there was some people, somebody employed surgeon, tree surgeon employed to 
check the trees and anyone that was rotten was caught, caught and one of them by the river was caught. So gave some light into that section. But I do remember when we started off in August doing that garden and I just met a group of nine people. And I just said, all we're going to do now is if you get cardboard, take any tape and masking tape off and lay it down on the soil and put seaweed on top. And we do as far as we say a third of it. And within a week, a half it was covered with cardboard and with seaweed. This was just in September. I said, then that's all we have to do now. And then we come back in March and see what's happening. And there were complaints with the local people complaining, oh, where, where are our, our daffodils gone and all the rest? We haven't touched anything. Everything came up. And it's just amazing, that garden. It was kind of a different premise, I suppose. And then at the end of the first year, I think it was, we, um, we got that book. You know the book, Gardening for Biodiversity? It's an amazing book. I don't have it here to show you. Oh, yeah. And, okay. and it gave us a new lease of life of to do different sections there, like to try and have something that's kind of weedy and with um, kind of um, garden rubble, like bits of old sticks and things that sort of animals could rest in there and different things and to try to have it. And there then we got the idea of the five golden plants, the daffodils, the brambles, the clover, the willow and the ivy. And most of those are just considered weeds in Ireland. But if they will flower from between the five of them, between February and up to October, so we must allow them to grow too. And that is like people just cut ivy away. They don't like willow. And anything that grows naturally is really better for bees than the imported stuff or the different things. You know? yeah. Well, so I can, we I, can to... I can attest to the difficulty of uh, helping people rethink their attitudes about certain plants. I know, I know, uh, practically everywhere, right? We have to uh, help people realize the importance of biodiversity of plants, for biodiversity of uh, pollinators, biodiversity uh, in in general, and and uh, so it's it's uh, you know it's really because one of the things that. I also admire very much is how you bring in the local students to the garden and you're teaching the next generations. Uh, you're, you're helping them get the right ideas before, uh, before they get, uh, I guess, susceptible to the advertisers. <laughs> well, no, that's good because with you, it wasn't you that suggested the hotbed. What's that? Did you suggest the hotbed? Yeah. Did you suggest yes. the hotbed? Yes. Because yes. now we have, I got my granddaughters, who will be two on Tuesday, the birthday party is here this afternoon, and um, to plant some peas there. You, did you see the little video there? She's planting peas. Oh, good. And good. Yeah. We planted peas, and I was there this morning, and they germinated the peas in the hotbed. And then um, Paula gave me some lettuce seeds. So I just want to grow something in the hotbed rather than just having it as an ornament. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that that's what I was hoping was that some you would be experimenting with different plants to see if you can. Um, get I'll, plant some, I'll get the students then to plant some carrots there on on um, Wednesday. They're back again unexpectedly because they're because of COVID they can't do their normal stuff. So they're going to be here till the middle of February on a Wednesday morning, which is good. Excellent, know. excellent, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like to get the girls involved, but I haven't done so yet. I'm a bit slow myself at getting organized after some after Christmas. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 uh, still very it's too early early in the season to get too many activities going. But uh, you know, you because uh, I I think I I heard you say to me one time that before pre COVID that you had Saturday events for uh, families and their children sometimes to help help them start learning about. Uh, Growing garden uh, food crops and and pollinator plants and and uh, we still was as as we all know we're still not over COVID yet so those activities haven't returned as fully as you once had them hopefully they will but the problem a lot of the time is like we had International Soil Day before Christmas uh, the fifth of Sunday the 5th I think of December it was and really the people of commerce really they're, they're, they're already the converted it's very difficult to get some new faces into it you know yeah. that is a problem how yeah. do you get new people in you know you're all the time you know and they said actually they're just they're just that group you know the group that are you know, biodiverse group, what's that? What should we can't do that? We're doing the best we can, as some people would say. But we all can do more all the time and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit instead of whatever. Yes, yes, we 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 need to uh keep optimistic that uh well it's it's uh your efforts, my efforts, and also efforts going on nationally that that are all people are all receiving this information and i know i i enjoy uh one podcast uh in ireland farming for nature so it's teaching farmers how to everything from take better care of their hedges to uh management using more ecological techniques for biodiversity so I know it's a massive education process we're all involved with and community gardens are definitely a critical piece of that whole education. Yeah. Now, so Gemma, you know, one thing that uh, in my, my experience at the key community garden that I really uh, was intrigued by, you've got the community garden right next to the edible landscape project and yeah. and uh both of them are putting out uh very very important messages for not only the people that are involved in each place but then for the greater community and just just kind of uh curious about about your your perception of the interaction of the two different groups and programs and and uh how how that's working out has it ha, how it has worked out to support each other and how uh, hopefully in the future it can continue to to uh, show some synergism uh, to uh, help help the uh, messages be more accepted in the greater community. And um, it works out grand because I get on really well with Katrina. We like we're talking anyway once a week. You know, we don't actually just text, we actually phone each other. So that's really good. I met Katrina when I was doing a horticulture course in Westport. I had just had cancer and I wanted, I realized um, life isn't a dress rehearsal. You have to get out and do things. So that is one thing that sort of goads me on, I suppose. 
um, because it, you know, it was a year of my life. It was you know, a different experience having cancer, but you know, you, you just move on. I'm not a victim, I'm not a survivor of cancer. I'm Gemma and that's it. And I do things. And um, Katrina was in the class. She just moved to Westport about a few, I think a few months ago. And it's something like there's a big age gap between us and how well we got on. I suppose part of it is our backgrounds in Dublin would have been kind of similar, but um, so we really get on really well. So that helps rather than if you're with someone who you felt didn't agree with things. I would know more basic stuff. She would know more the theory of, of different things. And for a lot of people, they don't even realize there's a different group. Yeah. You know, like for, you know, we get like the people, like the two people who organized some workers to come to the garden, they thought it was all led of a landscape and they didn't know the difference between the one thing and the other. But it is nice that it's, there together because then if we have some spare time we can do a bit of weeding there or we can share resources and things like that a bit yes yes there has to be more of that cooperation rather than competition and somebody feeling they're better than someone else or something like that everyone has life experiences and then in the garden that's what i thought was wonderful this year that different people came along there was simon did like as good at the woodwork ruth had great ideas and and different people brought different skills to the group which is really good and that we learn from them and also that it's a cooperative in a sense it would be nice for that if more people just dropped in just to get some of the produce from the garden like they don't seem to get it about like eating taking some of the strawberries or something like that or well, no, we did have someone, I don't know whom, taking the potatoes, all right, the new potatoes. And like, to me, new, new, new potatoes are, are beautiful, you know. Yes. But, yes. Um, and then Lorraine does, you know, great, she's great. Everyone has different things. And Connie, they all have their different um, things. Like Connie would always like the place to be clean and tidy. She'd bring home all the pots and wash them all and things like that. Lorraine is good and strong and able to do things. And different people have different and forties and that's what's important and not to feel that we're stepping on people's toes and there's not just often not one way of doing things there's several ways of doing things yes and i because i was uh, particularly sad to leave just when uh, ruth was getting that idea off the ground where we would have uh, teaching days on specific crops for anyone that wanted to learn because uh, I was I was uh, very interested in learning myself more and more about how to grow uh, crops that I'm familiar with, but under Irish conditions. Yeah. Well, okay. And so, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's impressive to me too. Some of the other uh, partners in in the Westport community that the, the uh, Key Community Garden has had. I know. I think you told me that in the past, uh, the owner of the restaurant Leafy Greens, right? She, she was, yeah. uh, she was a partner uh, with the with the garden, and then Pax Food Store, uh, uh, and and some of the and some of the members that are bringing in co connections with other environmental groups in the area seem to be uh, very hopeful in terms of helping the community garden continue to be an education resource. 
for for everybody. Like what the this there a group called the Fifteen Minute Westport. Yeah, Heather's and, involved in that. Yeah, yeah, and and so I know Heather was an, interested in the the circular economy movement. Yeah. Those. And I'd love to get some videos going on that, but I haven't done much about that. Yeah. So, well, Gemma, I didn't want to take up all of your morning, uh, and you know, I guess just. Maybe if there's any concluding or, or uh, parting words that you might want to share on on my podcast, because you know essentially my intention is to uh, share the podcast for that other communities that have not done anything, like get get a community garden started. You know, if you've got any advice or anything that you want to uh, say to help inspire people to to like you say life isn't a dress rehearsal we gotta gotta get out there and do it uh you know uh i think i think uh would love to hear what you have to say okay basically i would say start small don't be you know don't have too too huge ambitions because if things it you know because then you mightn't get a chance to plant everything also be prepared to experiment you know and certain plants will work certain plants won't work and it's lovely trying out something different like we say from ruth again like she drew some chickpeas she mentioned to me about growing um root ginger it, it grew but it doesn't seem to be going now so i think we'll start at a different stage start earlier in the year because it's supposed to take six I think seven, nine months or something like that it needs. But it's to start small and to, I suppose, to accept different people's ideas. And nobody is an expert. We're all learning. And the other thing is that um, to, at the beginning, is to really, really weed well, get the roots of things up so that they don't start spreading or with like scotch grass and things like that, that this doesn't spread. And if, if you people could learn that, that if there's no scotch grass, life will still be so much easier. And then weeding isn't a problem in our own garden because over the years we've got rid of scotch grass and the other one is the bindweed. And then experiment and enjoy. That's the important thing to enjoy. Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh... That last word, yeah, no. Well, it's been wonderful having some time to see each other again and talk. And uh, yeah, we'll you know keep in touch, and I'll say hello for you to to Maggie this afternoon. Lovely. Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. Have a nice day. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. Say hi to everybody yes. okay. for me. Okay. Great. Okay. Bye. Great. Bye. Now, let's welcome Heather O'Reilly to Agroecology World. Heather. Uh, so maybe, maybe we'll just start about how you met. Uh, I think you joined the Edible Landscape Project first. Is that right? Uh, um, so I joined through, well, for me, I guess, opportunity literally came knocking at my door through Gemma 
um, who knocked on my door and said, what are, what are you into? And I said, oh, well, I like geography. She goes, great. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, that was it. I was in. Um, but I joined first in, a, in a, the decarbonized Westport group. Um, they were looking for help from um, a social media point of view. They didn't have a lot of young people engaging. And um, so I said I'd help there. And, and once I started in that group, um, the decarbonized Westport group came together as a conglomerate of all the different groups all over Westport that are interested in sustainability. So there was maybe you know 10 different groups in Westport that were all doing different things. Edible Landscapes group, Key Community Garden, this 15 minute Westport doing um, cycle routes and cycle lanes. There's the eco congregation doing all these different um, things within their congregation. There's loads of different groups in Westport and they all had the same aim of trying to encourage sustainability. Um, but the two that really interested me was the Key Community Garden and, and Edible Landscapes um, because I, I wanted uh, honestly to get more experience in um, gardening and gardening in a way that uh, seasonal and that's also uh, Irish you know that's uh, I'm planting locally or I'm planting I'm planting that's just you know fr be friendly and um, good for the area that I'm in and uh, I'd never had an opportunity to to do anything like that before or talk to anyone who's got um as much knowledge as everyone in those groups have. There's such an amazing group, including yourself. Like, um, so we've got a wormery now and we're planting our, um, we're planting our seeds for our uh, windowsill boxes. And, you know, we're trying, we're, it's, it's our way of thinking about it now is completely different. And uh, so, yeah, so they were the two groups that I really got involved in um, as a result of, of joining the Decarbonized Westport group. And um, it's just it's been so amazing. Just there's such an incredible group of people there. And, and it has such a wonderful sense of community. Well, you know, uh, I was just remembering what we were talking about. And I remember now we actually met you and Alton you were having a barbecue or something outside. Yeah. You're right. You're, you were right. You were neighbors of Gemma. So that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> right next door. Yeah, exactly. We were in that house for a few months and then we moved. So it was perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And your, your description of all of the community groups in Westport mirrors my impressions of meeting all the different people associated with Edible Landscape Project and the key community garden, just that um, yep. there was a lot of different interests uh, that people were finding common ground at that small little growing space, which was very exciting. It was, it was also the fact that the space existed. I mean, having a, having a community space like that, that's, very welcoming um, very easy to, to join um, just accessible to anybody and anybody who's interested in it is unusual most 
places I've lived haven't had that. Or if it has, just hasn't been so easy to get involved. It's so easy to get involved here. Yeah. Now you personally have, I remember too, the first day we met, you were helping me plant some grape plants, I think, and uh, yeah. and kiwi and everything. Mm -hmm. So was, uh, was that really one of your first uh, opportunities to, to get involved in gardening and things? Or did you also do some things in Dublin? No, that was my first time. So I was, um, I'm very, I'm still very new and novice gardener. Um, we we never ha had a garden. So um, my, my, at home, my parents did, but I just wasn't interested. And then by the time I had my own place, I was living out and I was interested. We never lived anywhere with a garden. Um, so I have no idea what I'm doing and I still don't have any idea what I'm doing, but Gemma helps me out and she tells me what's bee friendly and, um, you know, also takes the fear out of it a bit. Um, it can be really intimidating when you have no idea, like, what's a perennial? Like, you don't know what, what you're doing. <laughs> and um, Whole new vocabulary, yeah. 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 yeah, the vocabulary, even just the... Um, Actually, I, I don't know. I can't explain the fe the fear. It's like you don't know. Um, you're afraid you're going to break it by doing it, isn't? And it's so. Oh. Really, you know, it's you're not gonna. You can't really mess it up. But um. Yeah. I guess yeah. it's like if you've never cooked. Yeah. You know, you're you're very cautious, and you don't really know where to start. Um. So having a group that's just welcoming, if you know something, if you don't know anything, if you're just interested, um, they'll just bring you along. It's incredible. Well, I, I uh, am enjoying the fact that now I found out that you said you and your dad are, have built your own wormery based on, yes. um, based on what Ashley... Right. Ashley and I uh, were putting together there for the garden. Yeah, it's great it's great so it's I mean again a learning curve because we don't know you know I was texting you how often do I feed them and what do I do but there is loads of resources online and it isn't that this exactly like it's not that scary once you do it you just have to just go and start really um so yeah it's great fun we're getting a lot of laughs out of it anyway that's for sure <laughs> Well, yeah, you know that one of the one of the, I remember uh, listening to a speaker once. He was talking about the importance of uh, what he called tacit knowledge. So, uh, and the fact that you're able to do something, either shadowing or with someone, is another learning process completely. Because, like the example he gave was. He uh, inherited recipes from his grandmother, but every time he tries to make the recipe, everybody says it doesn't taste anything like what the grandmother would make. And uh, the few times that he was able to learn with his grandmother, those are the only recipes that the rest of the family says taste correct. So, so. So just uh, the experience of doing it with her 
I think that goes, that cuts across so many different things. Gardening would be an excellent example, how, how uh, doing things together. And it's, it's also something that I really admire is the way Gemma organizes it. So it's done collectively. People are cooperating with each other all the time. I think that's really important. One of my favorite things about the garden as well is like the intergenerational aspect where um, it doesn't really matter if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 70s or 80s. It's just a space for people and they're all ages and you can be from anywhere and any gender and any anything and, and it's just um, mixed in and no problem. You know, that's just yeah. um, most groups, it, that just isn't the case. And for some reason here, that's nearly the case with every group. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I think, I think it really is demonstrating the breadth of the word community, what it can, what, what it okay. should mean. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really a good I, point. I think sometimes in um, the sustainability groups or discussions, um, definitely among my friends, it can get very doom and gloom. You know, we get quite anxious and worried about it. Um, and I think community is going to be the saving grace of, of uh, you know, the environmental problem that we're having. I think that encouraging community and working within our local communities getting those communities to work together on a local economy scale you know um, for a town economy rather than a global economy i think it's going to be really important i think we need to be relying on our neighbors and people around us and what food and plants and resources do we have right here yeah and and that actually uh, makes me wonder. So I, I do remember you gave a presentation on circular economy at, at one of our education events. Now, it's one of the things that uh, I was intrigued by was how you see the group being able to be, I guess, a bridge or a, a, a means for you to to. Uh, uh, I, well, I've heard you talk about circular economy, but maybe other causes that you're very interested in as well, as well as the gardening aspect, you know, just kind of uh, how you would hope the gardening and the, would, would help you accomplish things you want to accomplish. I, I guess I want to... Um move away from the theoretical side of the sustainability argument into a more practical side where we're actively either working with shops and factories and, and groups in town that are making materials to design out waste so to link in um you know places that are producing waste and turning the, that waste into um, raw materials for another company 
And places like the community garden, although it's not focused on circular economy, by starting with things like Gemma, who's collecting all the leaves in town um, from the local council, taking all that in, turning that into compost, and then being able to use that then in all the flower beds that are that are really a pride a pride point for everybody in town. That's the perfect way to practically show people how that'll work, how the circular economy is doable, not just doable, it's really very practical <laughs> and it'll save money and it'll save, you know, it it, it doesn't save time because I know it is more um you know, it's, it's, you need the resources to send you the leaves, but people are collecting those leaves anyway. So that's what I'm, what I'm hoping to get out of the garden is practical, realistic, kind of tangible. And now let's welcome our last guest, Paula Cannon. Paula. It would be great for you to share a little bit of your personal uh, involvement, the beginning of it, as well as uh, bringing in anything that you want to with some of the other projects that you're involved with. I'm actually in the middle of filling out that forestry survey that you shared. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, and then, and then, you know, like maybe I'd, we'll wrap it up with some of the directions you would hope that this group, as they get larger, uh, go towards and, and bring for the greater community. Okay, will I start? Sure. Okay. Um, I suppose just a bit of, a bit of background. Um, I studied agricultural science in college. Um, I always wanted to do something with art. Um, I actually wanted to meet Mother Teresa of Calcutta. That was my main thing. <laughs> oh boy. And, uh, so I decided to do agricultural science. I, I still don't know why, because I've, I, we, I live in the town. I have no farming background. My grandfather was a great gardener, but, um, but when I got into it, um, I discovered that I could do landscape design. So I was able to do a bit of my artwork and design work and then okay. learned uh, as I went along. So basically my training was more trees and shrubs and garden design, okay. very little on grown vegetables or the commercial side of things. Uh, did a little bit of my practical work that way, but most of it was um, garden design. And then just before I had kids, um, I ended up working with Western Care and they had an organization, uh, they are uh, based in Mayo. So they would work with people with, um, uh, I suppose, all physically able to work, but there'd be sort of um, learning difficulties um, and, they had a place down in Newport that I worked. So suddenly I was launched into growing vegetables and it was like, oh, wow, well, um, <laughs> I know a lot about growing, but vegetables, not so much. So my boss down there was a lovely lady, Nolan Haylett. She came from South Africa and she was amazing. So she, like, that's what, the boys are 22 now, so about 27 years ago. And she probably was the first person on my kind of, I suppose, horticultural journey that really emphasized the whole organics because it had kind of been lost. Okay. You know, we didn't really do much about organic growing in college um, and trees and shrubs. It was all about like how to, I suppose, use fertilizers and how to get the best out of your, your plants. Mm -hmm. um, but she was great that way. So, you know, like I was five years down there and we had three tunnels. We grew tomatoes and we grew 
potatoes outside, all on the ability of, of our clients at the time. But it was more, you know, if, if, the, if the crop failed, so what? You know, we had good fun doing it. But she was amazing and she, she produced a lot of uh, vegetables and she cooked in the place as well. In the centre, we still were cooking. So that's really, I suppose, from the, the growing side of things. And then um, I finished there when my, my oldest boy was born. I finished there. So I went back to the landscape design. So I was doing my own garden designs. And again, not too much on the vegetable growing. And then as the boys got older and they were like in, in key school, um, I started to get involved with their activities. And one of them was the Family Resource Centre in Westport, which was setting up a partnership with the key community centre and Mayo County Council. But it was mainly activities for the youth. Mm -hmm. And because my boys were involved, I was as well to be there with them than just dropping them and coming and going. So I got to know the Family Resource Centre well then. So they had a small little garden at the time, not where the key garden is now. And I missed the beginning of that. I kind of came in about, that was probably going about three years before I started to get involved. And one thing just led to another. And then suddenly my boys were growing up and doing their own thing. And I was still involved with the Family Resource Centre and the project at the key. And that's where I really met with um, the likes of all the people that are there now, Gemma and Connie Maroney. There was a good, good crew in the beginning, Julie, a lot of people from the area. And between the Family Resource Centre and Mayo County Council and the key community, we set up the, um, the where the tunnel is now and where the raised beds are. So there was a bit of funding involved in that. So that's really where I started. Um, and I loved it. And at the time then, I suppose my whole landscape design business went kind of quiet during the recession in Ireland. So I hadn't much to work on. So I had free time. So when the boys were in school and school full time, I was I had a lot more free time. And it was through that that I got to know um, Katrina McCarthy and Dave Whelan, who had moved to Westport and were yoga teachers. So I used to go to their yoga classes. And um, through that and a couple of other guys, there was a couple of architects around Westport at the time and work was very slack for everybody. Um, so Dave had this project called Shed, S-H-E-D-D. Okay. <laughs> and it was um, a great hub. And it was, um, it was really just a, a hub for people to meet together to talk about sustainable projects, life, the universe, whatever. And uh, we, it was going great. It was actually really good. There was great energy in it. And uh, he used to have these shed talks as opposed to TED talks. And right. uh, we organized all these talks and they were mainly based around water, climate, food. And somewhere along that line, then Katrina was involved and she would probably talk to you at some stage about the whole edible landscape because this was her the edible landscape project was her baby. And she I got to know her very well then through the yoga and through the shed group. And she just had this mad idea that uh, she's from Dublin. She was cycling down the Greenway. And she was thinking, wouldn't it be lovely to see apple trees growing along the Greenway and people are cycling, they could eat their own apples. You know, this romantic idea. And right. At the end of summer, you could pick your own apples. And from that, that's really where that took off. Um, we didn't plant the uh, Edible Landscape Project Forest Garden at the Quay. wasn't planted initially. So... Um, the council had loved the idea, Katrina's idea. She sold it really well to the local council at the time. So they gave us bits of land, different places. We worked with the schools. So we planted a couple of apple trees here and there. But the Greenway at the time and now is owned by 100 and I think it passes to 106 landowners between Westport and Ackle. 
So to get permission to go on their land would be a bit of a nightmare because yeah. of logistics and insurance. And so the council were very good like that. They gave us any, any bits of land they had that they owned on the Greenway themselves. Um, one of it was up by Allegan. Um, and then eventually it came to this land at the key community centre and it was like, well, this is a perfect place for a forest garden, which was, again, Katrina brought that to the table. She was a big fan of um, Michael Crawford, I think his name. He's a um, uh, forest gardener in right, Cornwall right. or England somewhere. And uh, we did a couple of workshops and uh, it seemed to work well with the key community garden because the two of them were side by side. And um, that's basically it in a nutshell. And you know what, the, what it is today. Uh, about two years ago, I think, uh, one of the classes I teach, I teach with an organization called um, MSL ETB, which ETB is Educational Training Board. So, and MSL means Mayo Sligo Leitrim. So I am a tutor, part-time tutor there. And I teach a garden class three hours a week. And we actually did one of our modules at the Key Community Centre originally just crop production, I think it was growing vegetables and crop production. Uh -huh. So that worked well with the group. And um, yeah, so that's... That's, 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 that's very interesting because, you know, what you've mentioned, certain threads, I, I had uh, certain opportunities in my career, like one, uh, I don't know if you use the term here in, in Ireland, horticulture therapy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the work that uh, in Newport, right, that you were doing, yeah. that that sounds very familiar. And yeah. uh, some of my travels, I have seen other examples uh, on public lands where groups have set that up in conjunction with community gardens as well and community farms, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's that's interesting that that that's uh, part of your journey too. And then the other thing is the landscape design. You know, I, 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 I can only imagine the permaculture concepts and techniques probably appeal to you on that level too, because the design work uh, seems to me every location you can have variations of it and uh yeah and it's a great opportunity to introduce the idea to a lot of people because i think you, you might have heard the others saying this as well and maybe it's the same for a lot of community gardens i think people are afraid if they don't have a qualification in horticulture to think sure I, I i don't really know what i'm doing and i always say to them like I, i'm learning all the time and i'm no expert in in any field you know um, and I think a lot of people sometimes feel, oh, I'd love to join that group, but I really don't know much about them. They all seem to know what they're doing. Um, and I think that part needs to be sort of opened up. And I sometimes in, in garden designs, when I meet clients, I, I would say, have you ever thought of growing a couple of apple trees? Oh, I never thought of that. Or yeah. growing your own veg. Everybody has this romantic idea. Yeah, I'd love to grow my own vegetables. But I know from the clients and speaking to some of them that they, they don't have the time or the energy to put into you know, maybe a bit of lettuce or a bit of a bit of veg, but full time veg and then, you know, get destroyed one night with a load of slugs in the summer and then they just lose interest. Um, but it's a great chance from a designer to go into somebody's garden to sort of open up. Well, you know, I want to put in a hedge. Well, would you would you think about a native hedge or, you know, it's not just lines and everything straight and everything beautiful and artificial. You know, we can kind of use this opportunity to. 
to plant and grow. Exactly. You know, uh, one of his, our favorite TV shows that we uh, found in Ireland was Gardener's World. So, you know, mm -hmm. Monty Don uh, yes. shows those short videos of people uh, that are essentially kind of learning as they go into making the garden that appeals to them and uh, it's it's great because he's he's uh, showing people that live in rural and urban areas yeah easy way to do it yeah there's there's so much uh flexibility and and so many different ways to 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 do things like that and and the people that he gets videos from they're so happy <laughs> They're, yeah. so, they're so happy and proud of what they've they've yeah. accomplished with so little yeah yeah it's lovely to see sometimes people say oh I, I grew that and I'm going yeah like well you didn't actually grow it but nature grew it. <laughs> but you helped it and it's I remember when I started off first it never dawned on me um how do how do people how do garden centers get all their plants you know oh they, they take a little bit of a plant and they propagate it and they, oh wow that was all new to me you know because I didn't grow up with knowing that yeah, yeah. um yeah. and I think you know, even people going to garden centers, like even now, a friend of mine showed me three plants he bought the last day for a euro, and they're perennial plants. They look awful, but he know he knew and I knew that they're going to be beautiful in the summer. But the garden center have to sell them off cheap because they're, they're not going to be sold because they don't look like there could be anything. Right. So he's learned over the years. You know, actually, it's okay to buy a plant for a euro now that will be like seven or eight euro in May. <laughs> yeah, yeah. when it's grown up a little bit and shows something so I think people are learning more television is great like that for um I suppose sharing information for people or even the makeovers you know as, as mad as and all as some of them are you know they kind of can change a garden in two days um people are kind of going god yeah I'd love to I'd love to do a little bit of that or I'd love to try a little bit of that um yeah you know more so than, than it used to be I know and and uh I guess uh I hope that they, they're going to do what I heard them talking about uh, in the tunnel. Gemma was trying to organize a uh, starting some plants that would be like for a plant sale. I know yeah. I know COVID uh, stopped yeah. that, but uh, yeah. that uh, that's a great way to to help. The message get out to the community you know people yeah. go home with a plant <laughs> yeah yeah and, and again it's a way of getting people in like Gemma's Gemma's great for um networking I love her energy and and she she was she taught me in school actually she was one of my teachers um but there's something about her energy and her vision um and I think like even meeting you I mean like she's met so many people that she said just come along and people come along to the key community garden and may stay may not stay but they bring something to the table and if it's something new and it's something like it's not how will I say it it's not a club that you have to be a member of and you have to follow rules you know it's it's there's a lovely camaraderie with people and some people have come for a while they've moved off and they're easing off or they come back you know it depends on their time and their energy and what they're doing one of the ladies just grows a couple of plants for us and that's all we need to do so she gives us the, the little seedlings yeah, and uh, she was yeah. for years coming and going, but she, you know, she's minding her own garden now. And I suppose with COVID, a lot of people backed off, as you said, there weren't as many people coming to this to the garden. But there seems to be great energy now. I've only just tapped into them a little bit, but 
there's a great yeah. great group one of them is actually talking on um a webinar last saturday mary she presented uh, a five minute talk on a webinar uh, it was a community garden webinar it was very good actually it's communities from all over the community gardens from all over the country got together yeah, on a that's free right. webinar that's yeah that's right yeah, yeah. The community gardens ireland group yeah um, yeah that uh have high high hopes that that can uh bring in new members as well as yeah. uh because we i've been involved with kind of similar uh networks and it's great that you know because then you can start exchanging ideas as well as uh links to to resources i know yeah. i know i know the yeah. community garden's struggling to to get enough uh uh healthy soil soil yeah. and, and compost and stuff like that so uh, that that should all really uh, help yeah. out yeah yeah so. yeah and we're together like even the i tapped into a little bit at one of the one of the community gardens the last day talked about um was a new garden um god i can't remember where they said they were and they had something like 18 ton of soil imported and it was like how are we going to get this done and they just sent emails and letters and publicized it on Facebook and they got 60 people to turn up in the morning wow. and by 12 o'clock by 12 o'clock that day they had all the, the beds full wow. and uh, I did it with the key garden as well at one stage when when the beds were built the men's shed built the, the little raised beds we have initially and then we were trying to keep around the beds clean so the council gave us some free gravel and again like that it came this huge pile of gravel and we were kind of looking at this pile of gravel going how are we going to do this and um my sons play soccer and I'm involved with the local soccer Westbridge United Soccer Club well I was at the time and I just said to one of the trainers would the lads come down some evening and just you know with a couple of wheelbarrows and he said yeah we'll use it as a training session and it's good PR for the club as well and um, they came down one Friday evening and I'd say within an hour and a half there's about 10 or 15 lads and a couple of wheelbarrows and there was some loading the gravel on and they spread the gravel and it was done and dusted in an hour and a half yeah you know and like those heavy jobs there are people around that love that kind of work and don't mind giving a, a bit of time but it's just connecting as you said into tapping into all the you know you gotta you gotta know people and use people a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah no, uh, i like that expression they say connecting the dots uh, yeah yeah so that's what it's all you know it's it's a what do they say in Ireland? Six degrees of separate. In Ireland, six degrees of separation is three degrees of separation. You know, so there's always somebody that knows somebody. Or you know. yeah, yeah. So, uh, something's coming together in my mind because I remember when I first came to the garden, I saw the design of the uh, beds, and now that I and then and then I remember they they told me that that you had first set up the design for the beds and nice. now now with your landscape design background now i understand uh the artistic flair that that they had uh <laughs> it, 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 one, one of us was good one was good we had we had a little problem the middle beds were like triangle shaped and they're a bit awkward to get the wheelbarrows around um but it looked good it looked good um yeah, yeah. but then when we got the tunnel in um we had to do a bit of moving because the tunnel came in after the beds were done and I suppose if we had to move the shed to put the tunnel in, there was a lot of shifting and moving to be done. So if the tunnel was there from the start, it might be a slightly different shape of garden, but I think it works well. 
Um, we were lucky too because the the hedge that is at the back of it, you know, the shelter hedge. Yeah. That yeah. was originally that was a, an edible landscape project, and that was originally planted up by the skate park where the children's skate park is. Okay. And it was it was just a bit hard to manage because. Again, it's on, it was on the main road. There was a beach hedge, I think, in front of it. And um, the council at the time just thought it looked a bit untidy, you know, because it was more, I suppose, it was only just starting off. And again, we did that. Katrina and I did that one day with a um, great relationship with the, the um, RSS scheme. It's a rural community scheme. And we knew some of the, the guys involved in, the, in that. So that's like leader funded. And between a couple of volunteers and the guys that were working on the scheme, we lifted that hedge and planted it, replanted it. It was only in, in only in a year, maybe or two years, in the other place. So it was nice and small. So we replanted it in the key community garden, and it's perfect there. It's actually brilliant. Um, it's yeah. good, a nice mixed um, hedge, and it's more of a hedge for for bees and butterflies and birds than than humans because it's more um, yeah wildlife yeah. hedge. Yeah, it's very diverse and and yeah. yeah. That uh, yeah, that's that's one of the uh, I guess things that I'm I'm gonna miss is to see more of the more of the techniques used on how to to maintain them and to yeah. to you you know apply the permaculture ideas of uh, of basically the hedges provide all that biodiversity, but they also provide mm -hmm. the soil fertility too. So it's absolutely, absolutely, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 just great to yeah. See that. That's the wonderful yeah. concept with the um the forest garden because every plant there has a reason for being there. So whether it's to eat, um, to use medicinally, or um, attract insects, or to um fix nitrogen in the soil, you know. So, yeah. um, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, I suppose it's what our, our hunter gatherers were doing back in the day, you know. So we've we've a great friend of ours. He's a singer songwriter, Tony Reed. He's a great singer songwriter, local guy. I don't know if you ever heard his stuff. I have. He just launched launched a new CD lately. Oh, but he, he he writes a song. He wrote a song about his uh, growing potatoes with his father. A lot of his songs he goes back to sort of in his teenage years, but it's a brilliant song, and um, he introduces it by saying back in. The old days when everything was organic and I just thought it was a great way to say it because everybody's trying to find that way back now you know and um, we've lost so many techniques and skills that our grandparents had you know yeah I remember like I lived down in the Crescent I don't know if you know where the Crescent is um, and uh, every week one of the local butchers used to come to collect well, we were kind of calling it I suppose schlop it was like your skins you know potato peels and skins and they fed them to the pigs and right. uh, he would come and collect that from our house um and then that stopped because you couldn't the butchers couldn't slaughter their animals on their on their on their uh, in their shop yard it had to go yeah. to a slaughterhouse and then regulations so uh, that all stopped but you know yeah um 50 60 years ago things were different yeah and everybody's trying to go not everybody but there's a lean back to that now um so. yeah and and that's and that's also true for people in the cities too it's it's uh, yeah. remarkable the some of the trends happening uh, rooftop yeah uh, gardens and and farms yeah. now and and, yeah. and and like you say people are are uh, that's that's to me is the 
the real potential of the community garden and the edible landscape project is that uh, you can show, you can combine the pretty flowers with plants that are either can feed you or uh, help help with biodiversity. That, that's such a such a brilliant idea. Yeah, and low maintenance. You know, there's not much once initially it's it's established. It's very low maintenance in it. You know, I think sometimes too though, people have to get away from everything looking pretty and manicured. You know, organic sometimes isn't pretty and straight lines and you know people think oh you know they're lazy gardeners they haven't done anything that you know look at all those weeds um and i think well i think more and more like 20 years ago the word biodiversity probably wasn't in our vocabulary um sustainability all these words have sort of uh, come in and they're bantered around but i think people are using them they know what they mean now yeah you know? so, well um i guess I know that uh, we've got we've covered a lot of ground, and that's that's wonderful to hear about because that's that's my sense of the community of gardeners and and uh, people that I met is that they you know there's the what the 15 minute Westport group and yeah. uh, the other the other ones that are trying to use the gardening aspect as a sort of a portal for all these other important uh, issues and showing people that you can be part of the solution doing very basic and simple things and little little, just, little bit yeah yeah it just yeah. it just keeps it keeps interacting with other aspects of your life to mm -hmm. to uh, have a cumulative positive impact but uh, i guess maybe i i don't i don't want to take up any more of your time than i have to but i guess uh, i'm kind of curious about where you would you know you're hoping some of the future growth and activities of the group goes forward and to 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 uh keep on making those connections in the greater community yeah i suppose it's it, it, it's a lovely project you know and it, it relies on volunteers it relies on new energy and um i remember saying that to Gemma at one stage because you know if, if it's left to one or two people it gets tiring and it gets um draining you know and, and the energy goes out of it so the more people that are involved it's it's really good so um, but the same thing could be replicated in other little areas around the town. It doesn't have to be at the key. Um, like there's not, there's not like there's knock, volunteers knocking at the door that you're turning people away. <laughs> We're always looking for volunteers. But the same project could be done in other little areas. You know, Westbrook's a big town, a small town, but it's it's got big areas in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think they tried it in one of the other areas because um, Katrina was involved in planting up near Tubber Hill. And it never really took off. So it's it again, it needs ownership. Somebody needs to sort of to steer it a little bit. Um, but I hope that the key garden is is that way. And maybe there's even basis for I kind of jump on the gun saying it here, but from my when I when I'm working um the job I'm in and with the tutoring, I've often thought, could we come at it from the other side? Like I work for the organization and we're using the key garden the, the odd time to, for the students. Mm -hmm. But could we ever think about using the two organizations together and that 
the key the garden is actually more for training as well as volunteering you know so there's, there could be scope for that right could it be used for a training center right because it has the the, the building is, is great like when i started off first um with the tutoring we used to use one of the rooms in the community center because our my organization didn't have our own building and uh, but now we have our own building but it's the other side of town so to come across to, to run the garden is just not feasible right. Right. full time it's fine to pop out on a wednesday when we have class but um i think yeah between the college there's a great horticultural um course going on in the college it's a one-year course um the local college um maybe joint up thinking there as well i don't know but education is the rule i think education is the way to go mm -hmm. giving people a little bit of guidance and the confidence as i said earlier on people think oh sure i know nothing about gardening and they do they don't need to know like what happens in photosynthesis in the you know or what why this happens unless they want to go on to further education detailed with it but um basics people just need to know the basics you know why who, why do people have green fingers? You know, is that luck or do they just know a little bit, little bit more than they think they know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a great vision. Uh, yeah. That it, uh, and now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I, walking around Westport, I did find some, uh, some areas that had some plantings in it, but seemed to have been abandoned. Yeah. That could be used as, starting points you know to yeah. kind of like you say start to replicate what the key community garden is yeah to yeah. to uh you know make it more it's more accessible to the people that live around it instead of having to go across town so all those things are yeah. are very important that's right yeah yeah and i think keeping it small like again that was katrina's idea with the edible landscape project yeah, sure, you could go out planting loads of trees everywhere, but if they're not looked after or not kept properly, then it just looks like an untidy project. Um, and then it gives gives the organization a bad name then, you know, it's like, you know. Um, and you have to be careful as well with volunteers. I know it myself, you know, when somebody starts something first and is all enthusiastic about it and, oh, the council should be doing this or you should be doing this and, and you know, then things start happening and then they fall away from it and it's left yeah dead on the ground you know so you, you have to work with everybody has to work together you know, and it has to be easy and simple and sustainable that's the main thing otherwise yeah. it just gets a bad name and it just looks like untidy right yeah. right yes well thanks so much paula this is you're been welcome Well, there you have it, my conversations with Gemma, Heather, and Paula of the Key Community Garden. I hope that you found it as informative and inspiring as I did. If you want further contact information and see photos of the Key Community Garden, please check out their Facebook website, searchable as Key, Q-U-A-Y, Community Garden Westport. For those of you who want information in greater depth about community gardens and community food systems, I highly suggest several sources. The webpage, What is a Community Garden? can be found at http colon forward slash forward slash one word 
cgireland.org forward slash what dash is dash a dash community dash garden forward slash. Then there's the guide called Growing Community, Starting and Nurturing Community Gardens. It can be found at https colon forward slash forward slash one word community garden dot org dot au forward slash two zero one zero forward slash zero three forward slash sa underscore book forward slash there's also the guide Growing a Community Food System, which can be found at https colon forward slash forward slash www.iatp.org forward slash documents forward slash growing dash a dash community dash food Dash system. Finally, there's the Open Source Journal of Agriculture, Food Systems, and Community Development, which can be found at https colon forward slash forward slash one word food systems journal dot org. Now I wish you happy trails until we meet again at my episode number 17 of Agroecology World, which is part two of my conversations from Westport, Ireland. And once again, I really want to express my appreciation to everyone's efforts in becoming regular listeners and spreading the word about the Agroecology World podcast to your friends. Your participation as an active listener is helping me achieve the goals of my podcast. That is the free exchange of ideas and contact information from worldwide groups that are leading the transition to agroecology and sustainable community food systems.